This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampanato. This is the Stick Blade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and just general news around the NHL. On tonight's tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about the CBA basically going to be raining flat for the next two years for the NHL, what that might mean for teams going forward. The NHL is officially confirming start dates for the playoffs in terms of informal practices are going to be happening when they're moving to the hub cities and what the hub cities are for that matter. The fact that Seabrook and Keith are actively skating for the Blackhawks and the fact that Ian Mitchell, as of this moment, looks like he's confirmed not going to be playing in the playoffs this year for Chicago. While we're talking about Chicago, the fact that their front office basically came out and said, you know, we're not changing the name of the franchise, we're not changing the logo as of this time, and the fact that they're basically going to be looking to spread awareness and work more with the local groups. And then on the Detroit side of the podcast, we're going to be talking about a couple of rumors that have really been coming out this past week. The fact that, you know, the St. Louis Blues are looking to potentially get rid of Allen, their goaltender, and the fact that, well, Detroit's looking for a goaltender this offseason, so they might be willing to pick him up as sort of like a cap dump for the Blues. That way the Blues can sign Petrangelo back to another deal. And also the fact that uh, prospect of Denis Svechnikov has really been having a rough time actually cracking the NHL. And some rumors coming out this week that his agent might be trying to get him a spot with a team in Russia. So sort of Detroit is deciding, you know, what is the best development plan for him at this point? And then one last bit of news, which uh, Nick actually told me about right before the show, is that the Blackhawks restructured their front office a little bit. So we'll just sort of walk through what that looks like as well. But with all that being said, I'm going to stop rambling for tonight. Uh, For your host, Jordan Linscott, and my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stoppinato, welcome to the Sick Blade Podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Feeling great. Good to be here. Glad to talk about hockey, and hockey's coming back. Yeah, it looks like hockey's, uh, you know, I've had some doubts, but it looks like hockey's on its way back, so what's not to feel good about that? I'll tell you what's not to feel good about. Red Wings picked fourth. Oh, we're still on that, eh? Always. Boy, uh, picking at that scab, it's never going to heal, man. I want to bleed. Got to let it heal after a little bit. (laughs) Sent the message out to you guys this, uh, this past week, but... I want to throw the full tinfoil hat on. Let me see if I can find the message again that I sent you guys, because I thought it was pretty good. I just got to find it here really quick. Yeah, you're right, good. I'll, f- I'll fill some dead air while Jordan's searching for the message. Boys, I this first week back to work after quarantining for, I don't know how long now, five months, four months? Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm dead. I think I took a nap after work every day the last <laughs> week. It's, it's, a, it's a whole different mental drain, isn't it? It is. It's standing in the sun for hours after hours after hours to when I used to just be in my house and in my AC all summer long. Oh, boy. Yeah, exactly. What's your job that you're outside all day? Uh, right now, during the summer, I just like to do their camp. Like, there's a camp at the park district that I work at. So I'm always standing out there in the heat. We're playing games and whatnot. And, uh, I've actually been playing quite a bit of hockey with the boys, the boys in the groups. So. 
Nice. Spread the awareness. Try to get them involved. Yeah, uh, exactly. Cool little. Yeah. Cool I can't though. cancel for the summer. So it's, Are they cancel? No, I can't cancel. But I I did the last three years. So uh, I'm doing summer school starting Monday. That does stink. That's fun. Yes, I got the uh, the tin foil right here. So well, just just hear me out, all right? So. Edmonton is going to be one of the hub cities for the NHL playoffs. They're going to make a run for the cup, and McDavid is going to be heralded as the next coming of Gretzky and the reviver of hockey in Edmonton. Uh, Chicago's going to lose their play-in round, which means they're going to draft Stop first it. overall, and they're going to run with Doc Lafreniere and Boquist as their new uh, Taze, Kane, and uh, Keith. Stop it. Then Detroit is going to have Steve Eisman, who is originally the fourth pick overall, pick a new fourth pick overall, who's going to magically turn into like this franchise level player. And it's basically going to be, you know, number four picks the new number four, and number four will be the new number in Detroit to be picked at. It's basically going to be one of those things where the wings are going to be doubled down as they're building through the draft, not through high draft picks, which Detroit hasn't had in forever. And then the NHL is going to also look at it and point to the lottery and say, see, the lottery works, the lottery it works, Anybody, you can win this thing. So basically they're not incentivizing tanking at all. It all fits. So who is Pepe Silva? <laughs> who is he? Who is he? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love that message just because, you know, it involved a lot of good things. I mean, it involved the Hawks losing, which makes me a little sad, but... Uh, you got to take a step and, back to take a couple steps yeah, forward. So, yeah, sometimes you got to step back in order to go forward. So, uh, like Tim just said, so, you know, I, I wouldn't mind a new, you know, next another 13 years of dominance with uh, Renee, Doc, and Boquist right? and, and exactly. Mitchell. And, oh, man. Now, the, the scary thing here is that with your theory in place, we're going to have the rise of Gretzky-esque Edmonton, the rise of a dynasty-era Chicago, and the Wings, you know, building back to their former glory at the same time. We've got ourselves a couple of dueling dynasties here. Yeah, if that's the case, we're going to have to, this podcast is going to have to go on for another 15 years, boys. I'll twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Job security. It would be like perfect though. Like, could you imagine if Detroit and Chicago got to meet in the Stanley Cup Finals? I'd lose my mind. I'm not gonna lie. I'd be thrilled. <laughs> All the stars will align one day. Nah, the stars don't get to be in the playoffs. Oh, not that. Not that. I mean, I meant, I meant the. I'll see myself uh, out. <laughs> the actual stars, not the Dallas Stars. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and just get into the topics for tonight's show then, so we can actually get this thing going. So, early. Here we go. I love it. It's going to be fun. One. All right. So, I already mentioned it, but so the NHL has basically put out dates for when hockey's coming back, thank God. And so, as of right now, the tentative dates look as follows July 13th, uh, teams are all going to be able to have their formal camps going back, running around before the playoffs. July 26th, the teams are all going to fly to the hub cities, which are Edmonton and Toronto. And then the actual play-in rounds, quote-unquote, are going to start on August 1st. And it, as of right now, looks like the games are going to happen every two hours while they're on TV. Oh, yeah. And the teams will be playing every other day. So basically, if you're following you know, the Hawks, for example, they're going to be playing on August 1st, August 3rd, August 5th. And then 
the seventh if need be, and then the ninth if need be, depending on if they lose a game in this playing series or not. But just on the surface, what do you guys think of the schedule? I think I like the fact that there's a new game every two hours. I think the NHL in some ways, though, is kind of shooting themselves in the foot because of the fact that games are going to be drawing eyes from each other. But at the same time, man, if the NHL is the only sport on TV with new games playing, this is the chance for them to steal eyeballs from people. A hundred percent. I think we're coming off of the coattails of that comment about how there's only yeah, that. What is it? ESPN that made a comment about how hockey's not one considered, you know, oh, one of the sports. Comment. Yeah, that's this is such a good chance to shove that in everyone's faces. You know, not only do we have not only did the NHL and the NHL Players Association come together and hash this out and get something moving forward uh, in an organized manner. But now we're we're going to be controlling uh, the waves. We're, we're going to be putting hockey out there all throughout the day, which is great because a lot of people are still working at home, and so they're able to watch these games. Right now, people are begging for something to distract them, and <laughs> hockey has a chance to capture the nation by storm or the nations really everyone <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, it, soccer's on tv hold up yeah no you're right you're right oh, oh, soccer's soccer. very popular now too it, yeah it, my father-in-law across america my father-in-law who misses like his normal nfl nascar i mean nascar is back too but he's been coming over and watching soccer with me and i'm like this is awesome because <laughs> he has no okay. he's like what, what do you mean he's offside? I'm like, well, he was too far up, so it's been fun. <laughs> but I'm glad I mean, they get hockey back, too. This is going to hit a whole new demographic. Hockey is going to dominate the TV waves. And, I mean, the people that missed out on March Madness, you guys are getting July Madness. We got 11 a.m. Central, 1 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Central. Hockey nonstop. There's going to be hockey on your TV all day until you go to bed. That's oh, yeah. what is going to happen for me. 52, 52 playoff hockey games in nine days. That's absurd, and I love every bit of it. That's the thing, right? Like, the schedule doesn't stop during the day, so it doesn't matter if you work first shift or second shift or third shift. You can literally catch a game on every single one of your days off as well as before or after you go to work. Like, there's literally no reason for you to miss it at this point. It's all day. This is a gambler's dream, too. I mean... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you, I, along with, I'm going to be losing a lot of money during this as well, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm loving it. Just, uh, you know, it, it's... Sports are going to be on my TV. It's my favorite sport, and it's going to be all day. Like, uh, work might not be productive because I'm just going to be following my <laughs> phone, my computer, or whatever I have going on. It's gonna be chaos, and uh, yeah, the Hawks are the Hawks. Edmont- Hawks and Edmonton are the ones that get to start it all off. This new playoff format, and I believe strongly that it's an excellent choice to start it off. I think it's going to be an electrifying series. I think that it's going to be high flying offense. Uh, it's going to be basically dueling offenses, and which goalie is going to stand on their head, and the defense on both teams is just going to be trying to control things. It's the kind of it's the kind of series that's going to get people pumped. It's they I think they were I, I believe reading the stat it's like a one goal differential in goals against. So we're gonna see like Tim just said it's gonna be a very uh, very high flying offense type of series. It's gonna be 
you know, even if for the casual hockey fans or new hockey fans that might be coming along for this, you're going to see a lot of goals, a lot of goals. And then <laughs> especially with uh, you know, some time off, the forwards, I say, have a little bit more of an advantage than the defense going into this already. Oh, and it's going to be sloppy. It's going to – so we're going to see some fun hockey today, you know. I hope it attracts more fans because – Bring I think back the glowing be, puck. Because this – yeah, I mean, this is going to be energetic. I mean, a hell of a way to start off the playoffs. The good thing for the NHL in particular is that during, I believe, what was it, the All-Star game last year, they had the player tracking where, like, they put the people's names next to them on the ice. That was the uh, the All-Star game, right? That sounds right. So, I mean, for especially for newcomers to the sport, you know, people who may not necessarily watch hockey, the NHL already has essentially software in place that they can use and essentially advertise all these superstar players to people who don't watch the sport, who don't know who these guys are, and they can sort of highlight them and say, hey, these are the players to be watching. And so you yeah. instantly can get a quick connection between new fans and these players. Yeah, I mean, it's going to it's gonna be better. I don't know. Are they still riding with that? The I know they said they were getting that ready for the playoffs. I don't. They really haven't talked about it since then, obviously, because there's bigger issues going on. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I think now that things are in place, we're going to see some of the more marketing aspects and see. Okay. The puck tracking and player tracking. Uh, now that now that they know it's gonna happen, now they can start to implement some of that stuff. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. I think it works better now too. I mean, because you know, they, the NBA is still going to be going on, but this is like I, like we said earlier, this is going to attract a bunch of new fans. So. You know, they're going to have their opportunity to see who is the people to watch out for because they'll be highlighted often. And, you know, guys that they're they'll, like the player tracking the time on ice, they're going to know who the stars are right away. Like they don't have to you know, try to guess or they, they're going to be able to fit right in. This is probably the this actually this puck tracking player tracking type of thing. It's probably the best thing to happen now because of the stoppage of play when it was only going to be hockey fans watching. Now we're going to get a whole diverse group watching. It's going to make it accessible, and that's that's something that I'm really excited about. You don't have to be a longtime fan. You can pop in and say, okay, who do I watch out for? What are some names? Let's do this plug and play. Let's go. I'm rooting for, you know, you could have someone who's not doesn't have a strong opinion, and they say, "Okay, I guess I'm uh, guess I'm a Dallas fan now, or guess I'm uh, going Calgary." You, I listen. I'm throwing names out of a hat. I, <laughs> I'm just yeah, trying not to say the Hawks. Just I'm trying to make Calgary happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, people who knew the game. That's one thing that I think is actually really beneficial to this puck tracking that they have. I mean, when I was younger, growing up. For me, it was really hard to keep track of the puck when it was getting cycled around the boards, like when people were fighting over it and figuring out where it was actually getting passed to. Because unless you've really been watching the sport for a while, it's kind of hard to predict where players are going to set up at. And like that's one thing that I think is going to be really nice about some of these new things like the puck tracking, like the player tracking, is it lets people who are watching the game know what they're actually looking at. That's Mm going to be... that's Because it's so easy... I'm blown away after watching hockey for all these years to watch a game and be like, I have no idea where the puck is. They, how they keep a track of the puck just on the ice is, you know, mind-boggling to me. So getting being able to do a little bit more of the tracking and being able to follow the game a little bit more, 
I think is going to take away some of the intimidating factor of the game. Speaking of the playoffs, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's a really big factor, but I think it's kind of interesting that the NHL chose Edmonton and Toronto to be the two hub cities for this one. Um, maybe this means that a team in Canada will finally win the Stanley Cup. It's been how many years now? Well, a team will win the Stanley Cup in Canada. So and in Edmonton, they're going to see some meaningful hockey. You love to see that. It's been so long since Edmonton seen some uh, meaningful hockey there, and uh, you know they're going to see it. it. Just won't be the Oilers. <laughs> no disrespect to our strong contingency of Edmonton fans, of course. Yeah, sorry, and, uh, <laughs> maybe one of you. Do you imagine how mad the fans in Edmonton would be if they had it as a hub city and the Oilers get knocked out in the play-in round, and they're just forced to watch everybody else play playoffs around them? On their eyes. Yeah, yeah. their eyes to be such a weird watching two teams compete for the stanley cup somebody who and the they're not even on the ice that's got to be a surreal concept that's nuts jesus yeah what are you guys thoughts i mean i'm shocked they went with two Indian cities because it seemed like vegas was a lock but obviously the spike in nevada now with the coronavirus yeah arizona nevada those areas are just spiking bad because the people are being stupid about everything right um, so if i'm the players i'd be like yeah let's not go there i thought chicago had a legitimate chance i, I think but we she, did why I not detroit that. the lca is the newest arena big arena why not the lca they should have done it there i mean detroit's not doing anything just use our arena yeah and they also have two rinks there i mean they have the one <laughs> above ground and then they have the one in the basement exactly I think one of the big things was just watching how so many of the cities, even once they were down, are spiking up again. I think there's a little more stability in the cases in Canada. And also, the Canadian teams sort of need that revenue a little bit more right now, just from the way the Canadian dollar is with the relation of where oil was before the coronavirus, uh, the value of the Canadian dollar. It it wouldn't be a bad idea to drum up a little bit more in Canada right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against it. No, like, no. I, I, like, I'm, I'm just happy we have hockey back on. So. And it'll probably be easier to have everyone on one side of one border to, keep fr- to have to go from moving across a border after the first couple of rounds and then doing a 14-day quarantine and yeah, then getting back. In, like, at least it's just traveling across province or region borders. And the visa, too, for, uh, what should I call it? Like you said, traveling across countries. and Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm all on board. You know, it's Edmonton, Toronto, two great cities to host it. And, you know, have some interesting hockey coming forward. And this is, they're great selections. Yeah, with obviously Vegas now, the implications Mm -hmm. of coronavirus growing there. And it's just more complicated for the states just because we, it's it's rising all over the place in the country right now, so it makes sense. We can move out of the playoffs for a minute, and I want to talk about something that I think benefits David and I, and for Nick and Tim, I think you guys aren't as thrilled about it. Um, the CBA is going to be flat for the next two years, which basically means that all these teams that plan for the cap to go up, they're not getting it. It's staying flat. Yeah. So, 
for anybody who doesn't really know what I'm talking about when I'm saying the CBA is staying flat. In hockey, like a lot of other sports, there's a salary cap. You can't go over this cap dollar amount that you can spend on your players. And so all these teams basically plan for that dollar amount that they can spend to go up every year. You pay your players more. It's basically like a natural rise in the amount of money that you're allowed to spend because players are demanding more money. Now, because the CBA is staying flat for the next two years, all these teams that sign deals expecting that number to go up are kind of in a weird pinch right now, and they sort of have their hands tied and are going to be needing to either shed cap space or they're going to have to let guys walk from their rosters because they literally can't afford to sign them against the cap. Um, as a Wings fan, I'm thrilled. I think we're going to get to be a cap dump for the next two years. And not only that, we're going to get to take draft picks for being a cap dump as well. So we aren't looking to be competitors next year anyway. We're going to get to take players from other teams as well as draft picks. And we're not locking up free agency. I like this a lot as a Wings fan. What do you think about it, David? Oh, I think it's great. This is going to be really helpful for our future and our rebuild. I'm all for it. Nick, Tim, what do you guys think about it? I mean, I'm I just going off, you know, before we forget about it, I'm excited to talk about the extension of the collective bargaining agreement and some of the really nice details that I'm excited to talk about there. But so I didn't want to forget it. But in terms of the salary cap, I'm sweating. I'm sweating a little bit. I'll be really honest. Uh, we had been budgeting for the cap going up and especially before all of this hit the cap was looking to rise. It's at 81.5 right now, roughly, uh, and it's going to stay that way, 81.5 mil for at least two more years. We were expecting it to go up a minimum of 83, and it could have gone anywhere between 83 and, like, 87, depending on what they were originally projecting back in, like, December and January. You know, that's that was going to be the answer to a lot of our... Uh, salary issues this is gonna be tricky there's gonna be a couple of guys that we're not gonna be able to re-sign that could benefit our depth and we're gonna have to get creative bowman's been creative before with getting guys on minimum or entry-level deals it's just a matter of can we round out the roster with the big names that we've got Uh, nick what are you thinking yeah, because right now it was like you said, it's projected anywhere between eighty-four to eighty-eight million. So if it's, uh, did they announce the official cap? For, I mean, I know it's staying flat. Did they set a strict uh, number now? Eighty-one point five is what I'm seeing. It's staying about eighty-one point five. Yeah, then the Hawks are in some trouble because as of right now, they already have committed next year. They're committed to. $74 million in contracts, which gives them roughly, you know, six and a half, seven million to spend. And that's to Unfortunately, fill, yeah, go ahead. And that's to fill a backup goalie role because Malcolm Subban is not the answer. You got to extend uh, Kubalik and Dabrinkis. That, that's also including Dabrinkis' contract. And then you got to pay Strom soon, too. So, well, and don't forget, we got to sign Craw- We got to sign either Crawford or. A full-time goalie backup to me is a secondary option. I, 
I assume that we're gonna go with Delia as our backup, and my hope is the big three that we have to re-sign are Crawford, Kubalik, and Strom. Uh, if we can get Crawford, you gotta hope that the two younger guys can be talked into taking maybe a little less term and a little less money because of the situation. Uh, Crawford, I'm hoping everything that I'm seeing is projecting that he'll take a two year, four mil, you know, four mil per year kind of deal. Uh, because he's still got plenty in the tank to be uh, a starting goalie. He's shown it this year. Uh, but that means that our chances, uh, if, we, if we're if we able to get Strom, Kubelik, and Crawford, the chances of us being able to re-sign Kajula, who's I'm a big fan of, and he plays up and down the lineup. He's invaluable to us. You know... That means he's not going to be able to re-sign. I think we buy out Mata. Uh, as much as I liked his play with uh, Slater Cuckoo near the end of the year, I think with our glutted defenseman, it makes sense that we buy out Mata. Got another prediction here. I think Mata's also. I think Mata is very likely with the Mitchell coming along very soon. Uh, I think. I don't think they re-signed Strom. I think you could see a deal with Strom to shed some cap. You know, we'll that's give you an Dylan, we'll give you Dylan Strom, and we'll uh, you know you have to take on either Olimata's cap or yeah. I think you, you could see a big salary dumped with Dylan Strom since Strom is still going to be an RFA, and we'll hate, we'll see a guy like Evan Barrett be forced into the Blackhawks lineup, and then that gets more playing time. That breaks my heart. I'm gonna be really really honest with you. And it's not even, like, Strom's good. Strom's a very talented player, and I, I like his style of play, and I think he fits with his role in the Hawks. But, man, that guy seems to love being in Chicago. He named his dog Wrigley. He's always wearing Cubs gear. Uh, <laughs> like, he, and I think after his stint in Arizona, where you could tell it weighed on his psyche, and he wasn't producing, and he was so burned over there and he gets this new start in Chicago and boy you can see how he's just changed as a player and I want the world for this kid and I want him to be a Chicago guy and like the logical side of me says yeah you flip an RFA you shed some cap space this is business but he has taken to this city so very passionately and i that means something to me oh yeah i mean he's like a chicago guy through and through um another name zach smith you could i don't know like you'd have to include a pretty solid player in order to shed zach smith's salary uh or uh you know or a mid-range pick somebody that's able to take you know zach smith's not a bad player he's a good bottom six guy you know I've seen his name circled around the buyout potential, but if we can give somebody Zach Smith and a third round pick for anything, then it sheds us cap. Yeah. Oh, I mean, long story short, you got you Detroit fans, Jordan and David, you guys are thrilled. We are, uh, me and Tim over here, we're kind of uh, worried because we might be seeing 
Oh, names like Strom or I mean, Holy Mount, I'm kind of all right with, but like Dylan Strom on the way out. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a bummer. It's, it's, you know, another trip around the merry-go-round for the Blackhawks to have to flex the cap a little bit. Obviously, me and you, like, on Detroit's end, we're thrilled because of this, right? Because for the longest time, Detroit was in cap hell. We were always at the cap because mm-hmm. of either rentals or buyouts or what have you. And like Nick was just saying, we're not in that cap hell anymore. I mean, we shedded, what was it, close to $20 million in cap space this off season after you know we were eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, it was pretty close to $20 million, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. Because Howard was about five, Green was five, Erickson was four. That's take a look 14 there. right there. I think, what was Trevor Daly? $3 million? So that's $17 mil right there. But regardless, the Wings are sitting just fine in the cap situation. Yeah, we're doing great. We have we have money to spend, and this is going to be really beneficial for us. Now, just be careful. Uh, people that are really getting screwed this off season are the UFAs. They're uh, you know they're expecting to go in there and big time paid, get big time paid. And I think teams are going to be more scared now to pony up some money because well, the- like they, that requires. Clearing some of the players they love too to go get the guy that they want sitting in the UFA market. And, you know, guys like that might convince Taylor Hall to re sign in Arizona. So, uh, yeah, Tory Krug's another question mark now because he could have been making, you know, 10, 11 million. He might have to sacrifice some money now too. So it's, it's, uh, you know, tougher than the UFAs. I mean, I know pity the millionaires, but, you know. So, Jordan, according to this, we have. Close to forty million in cap space. Yeah, so we're sitting just fine. Yeah. And one thing that I mean, I'll kind of use this as a segue into the actual Wings news for this week. That cap space is going to give Detroit a lot of power in the rebuild, and particularly to—I don't want to say fleece, but that's really the only word for it fleece these teams that are looking to keep core pieces around but because the cap staying flat aren't going to be able to um one thing in particular that came out this week it's a rumor no confirmed sources on it but the idea was floated around that the st louis blues are looking to get rid of their goaltender allen and allen is not an old goaltender he's fairly young but he's a little bit expensive and the idea came about that, you know, they could send him Detroit's way. Detroit picks up him as essentially the one-two punch with Bernie moving forward. And St. Louis gives us a couple picks for doing that. That way they can lock up a key piece like Petrangelo. What do you think about that move, David? Because we're not strapped right now. No, we're not. Um, I'm trying to think, what is his, what is his cap hit? I think he's five and a half, if, if I remember correctly. And he was born in 1990, so he's two years younger than me, so he's 30. Okay. Um, I mean, we were joking weeks ago about really, really wanting Braden Holpe. Um, but Jake Allen's not a terrible goalie. I feel like... 
I just want to interrupt really quick. Uh, his cap hit is four mil, uh, three hundred and fifty thousand. It's not bad. No. Um, yeah, I just looked it up too. I was way off. Oops. He'd be a, he'd be a good goalie um, for us. I feel like he's not the goalie of the future, but he would be good to help us out during the rebuild. It's what Tyler also, Bernier. He's also got next after this next upcoming season. This is his uh, final year, so it'd be a contract year, and you'd be you know, a guy playing on a questionable team. I don't want to call you guys bad because who knows what happens next season. But off. it's a big year. It's a big year for Jake Allen. So he's a he's a actually a pretty decent target for a team like Detroit. And what's cool is he's going to be hungry. He lost his starting job, not necessarily through fault of his own, but because Binnington was this wonder kid that came out of nowhere. Uh, so he's looking for a chance to say, hey, I've still got a lot in the tank. You know, I'm 30 years old. That's not bad for a goalie. Let's go. Let's prove myself in a contract year. And so I can sign maybe a four mil or four year deal. Uh that's that's the kind of mindset that Detroit's got to be looking for right now too. Someone, people that are hungry, people that want to prove themselves. The thing is, like, if we pick up Jake Allen, it doesn't make Detroit any worse. I mean, Howard's on the way out, and Howard's already inked to a contract which is more expensive than Allen's. So the goaltending tandem gets better, in my opinion, and it costs less. Plus, St. Louis should be sending us picks for picking him up. So. It's basically mm-hmm. a win for Detroit and a win for Detroit. Well, yep. that's, the, the good news is Detroit knows where they stand, and they know that they can deal from a position of power because it's no secret that they're in a rebuild. They've got the cap. They're not in a win-now mode. They're dealing completely from a position of will take what suits us, will help out if it's going to help us, and what deal can you make to make it worth it for me? Yeah, it's going to be panic trade season for teams against the cap, you know, uh, with the flat cap for the next two years. Toronto's going to be hit hard. Toronto will be hit hard, and you might see, you know, usually teams get fairly compensated. Like a, they'll, they'll get thrown a third or fourth round pick. You might be seeing seconds dealt with contracts just with the flat cap for the next two seasons. It, it's it's going to be a high, high price to take on a salary cap, salary cap, so it's interesting times now. While we're talking about Detroit, I want to talk about another uh, rumor that came out this past week. Um, reports have been coming out that Red Wings prospect Evgeny Svechnikov's agent has been in talks with trying to get him the ability to potentially play over in Russia to sort of restart his career. Um, he had a really bad injury, missed basically an entire year's worth of development time and he played in grand rapids looked okay not in general like that amazing and he's sort of in this weird position where because of the timing of his injury he got jumped over by a bunch of prospects like a guy like philip zadina for example who took what was going to arguably be his slot on the red wings David, do you think that we let Svechnikov go play over in Russia if the rumors are true? Or do you think that, you know, we send Applicator to Grand Rapids and keep Svechnikov up in the NHL regardless of whether he's producing or not? It's really tough because Svechnikov has shown 
flashes of a really good player that would be good for us, but he's also been injured. Um, I don't want to lose him to Russia because I want that great player that we drafted. Um, I know he won't be as good as his brother, but I'm sure he could be good. Um, anything to lose Abdicator? Sure, why not? But how much of his, how much of Abdicator's salary actually gets buried in Shh. Grand Rapids? Are the is management? We have money. <laughs> oh, of we course, have of course. Space. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, for I didn't say anything. I'm just playing the business card. <laughs> Abdicator would probably be one of the most wealthy paid AHL players in the league. I'm pretty sure nobody else in that league is make, uh, making over four million. Maybe close there, the are, family. there are maybe a handful. David Backus says, hold my beard. <laughs> oh. Low blow. I think he's getting paid six and a half down there. Ooh. <laughs> uh, never mind. He didn't, didn't have to go report. They set him down. He's like, yeah, you can just stay in Boston, dude. Just go hang out and chill. But here's <sighs> the thing. Abdelkader still got three years left on his contract, right? Yeah, he's still got some time left. There's, in my mind, there's no way. It's a, it's a fun, like theoretical, but there's no way that they justify sending him down to Grand Rapids and paying him all that money when he's still considered a serviceable bottom sixer. He is no, not. not. He's got like bottom three sixer. Five you years. Uh, you don't think he's a bottom, like good enough to be a bottom four guy? Genuinely asking. Uh, no. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan, yeah. what the stats you brought up again from him? Uh, last year, he uh, let me pull up the stat sheet because God. we were laughing about it a couple weeks ago. Can't go one episode without the Abdelkader stat sheet. <laughs> All right, okay, let's see here. We brought it up last uh, last time. Compliance buyout. Yeah, that doesn't sound like we're getting those anymore because it doesn't help yeah. the owners and it doesn't help the players. It just helps GMs and sounds like well, tough. Figure it out. All right, Tim. So. Here's here's four million dollar Justin Abdelkader's stat line. All right, in forty or this season, he played forty nine games. He scored a whopping zero goals, had a, a whopping three assists, and was a minus fourteen. Which yes, plus and minus is a questionable stat to look at, but but it's still it's not great, especially when you look at the lack of production. What's his corsi? Give me those fancy stats. You don't want those stats. Oh, boy. I mean, you guys have all the money in the world already right now. Do I have to bring up the intangibles? He'll go drop the goals with anyone. He's got intangibles, but not $4 million of intangibles. Yeah. That's... been down that road, too, with Marcus Kruger. Like, the second time. The yeah. The second time with Marcus Kruger. Theoretically, where does uh, Svechnikov slot in for you guys, though? Is he a third liner? Uh, do you think you put him in the top six, or does he take away from somebody in the top six? I feel like you just slot him in on the third line wing, and you just keep him there all season, because I don't think you put him in the fourth line as a winger, because he's not a shutdown type guy, and he's not a grinder by any means. Right. I mean, I feel like you just... You throw him on the third line and hope something happens because he's not good enough to be a top sixer in my opinion. Do you think so, David? Uh, no, but I think he could be a really good bottom pair, bottom sixer. Because, like, when you look at the wings, wingers, I mean, 
he's not bumping Mantha or Bertuzzi out of the top six. No. He's not going to knock Zadina or Fabry out of the top six, assuming they let Fabry play wing. So he's literally got to take a third or a fourth line winger spot. And that's basically where he has to play, which is fine, especially if this is going to be his first full-time stint in the NHL. If he goes to Russia, he's never coming back. At least until he's in like 26 or 27 and he comes back and says, okay, I'm ready for a fresh start. Like Radulov, Radulov did it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Right now, it sounds like Svechnikov, I mentioned this before we started recording, he's in a similar situation to Chicago's uh, Dylan Sakura, where he's got fantastic toolkit, should on paper be an NHL player, but other rookies and other players have left him on the depth chart. He hasn't been able to stick around, whether it's injuries or you know whatever. It, I feel like both of them are in a make-it-or-break-it year for them when it comes to at least their time with their current clubs. The other thing that's going to be talked about then is if, let's say they are going to let him go over to Russia, if that's the only alternative, do we just trade him to somebody? Because, I mean, maybe he goes to Carolina and plays with his brother. I don't know, but, I mean, I just, I don't want to see him go over to Russia and then have to wait till he's 27 to come back and play. You don't want to lose him for nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Because, like, if he goes to Russia and he plays with a club in there, like, hey, we'll pay, you know, the equivalence of $3 million. He's not coming back here to play in the NHL. God, no. no. And I don't blame him. Yeah, not at all. We can move on from Wingsland because there's not really much else besides that going on right now. Um, The first pieces of news specifically for Chicago, the fact that uh, Brent Seabrook is officially skating in the practices that Chicago's hosting, and also the fact that Keith has already been in Chicago skating, so it looks like those two will be for sure in Chicago's playoff uh, appearances this year. And then uh, Seabrook's still up in the air. Yeah, but he's at least skating with the club, so he's at least trending, it looks like, towards that. That's the goal. And he sounds like he's dead set on doing everything that he can to do it whether whether that's going to manifest in actually playing he he sure sounds like he's going to do everything in his power to be in these playoffs I'll, i'm all for it yeah Jimmy, i would rather see seabrook on the ice and slater poopoo 100 i want brent seabrook back he deserves to be playing some meaningful hockey know for as much shit as he got from fans and reporters and everything he you know, uh, this this is usually when he comes to shine. I, I mean, I know it's a different Brent Seabrook now, but he deserves it. Well, but it could be a different Brent Seabrook in a positive way with working hips. <laughs> I mean, the guy's been as well. yeah, the guy's been going through you know playing through several. He had three different surgeries in like this year. You know, if he if he gets even a little bit of his mobility back, and we put him on a third pairing. I think the the most recent projection I saw for pairings would be Keith Boquist, Murphy Mata, and uh, Dahan Seabrook. Let the two guys who are coming off of injuries round out a third pairing. He Seabrook was at his best with Dahan before. That's a pretty solid top six, to be entirely honest. I mean, you could swap. 
I'm a big Lucas Carlson fan. You could swap Mata out, be the seventh D, and put Lucas Carlson in there. I'll I'll agree with that. Uh, Carlson was a very pleasant surprise. Very smooth moving uh, puck def- like smooth moving puck mover, uh, mobile defenseman. I was very surprised because he basically just leapt like three people on the depth chart, and he said, "All right, I'm gonna prove myself." The other Blackhawk for actual playoff roster, uh, Ian Mitchell, is basically confirmed at this point not to be in the playoffs. How do you guys feel about that one? That yeah, I was gonna say for me, I think it's a it's a blessing in disguise for the Hawks. You know, if he doesn't play this year, then his contract kicks in the start of next year, which means uh, Doc and Boquist will have their contracts up a year before his. We're not gonna have to deal with three big contracts in one year. Yeah, and he gets, you know, he he doesn't get he doesn't get thrown into the fire right away either. Like he gets uh he gets to come in next season, fresh, new season, no pressure, just play your game. And well, that's that... yeah, that's exactly that's a really really good point. Not getting thrown into the fire. I think I know the fans in Chicago because I am a fan of, in Chicago. Uh we're kind of cruel with our expectations sometimes we expect excellence and with Mitchell I think there would be an unfair expectation of him to come in and be Kale McCarr who jumps into the playoffs scores a goal he takes things by storm and suddenly Chicago has their savior young defenseman that's not fair and it's unrealistic expectations it's unrealistic to expect to have expected Kale McCarr to do it uh, he, the best of my understanding is Mitchell will still be able to learn from the Hawks. He might be able to be around it. He can't, he can't play, but I think there might be something where he's able to at least practice or, you know, something like that, which any sort of experience would be beneficial for him. Even if it's literally just being around and observing and learning from these veteran players. Hundred percent. I agree with you. Hundred percent, Tim. Just uh, he, he. I like your Cal McCarr point. Just because you know both Cal McCarr and Quinn Hughes just came out by storm. You know they they came out of nowhere. Like they had high expectation. Or Quinn Hughes had higher expectations than Cal McCarr, but Cal McCarr just delivered out of nowhere so quick. Kind of like Charlie McAvoy years ago. So yeah, to have for Mitchell to have that expectations in a big city like Chicago. <laughs> hockey crazed town like Chicago. It'll yeah, ruin the kid. That's not fair. Yeah. Like you can't start him off on something like that. Just let him start the season, you know, really develop in. And uh, yeah, it works out contract-wise. And I think it works out for Mitchell's development as well. Last two pieces of Hawks news that I want to cover. Um, the first, like You brought it up earlier to me, Nick. I wasn't aware of this, but uh, the Hawks had a front office restructuring, basically. You want to walk me through that really quick? So I'll go through it quickly. Uh, the most notable uh, restructure was Norm McIver was deno- demoted from assistant general manager to vice president of player personnel. He was originally serving as an assistant GM for eight seasons and was previously director of player personnel. And then uh, they also made five promotions. Uh, Kyle Davidson, he was assistant to the general manager to assistant GM of hockey administration. Mark Eaton went from director of player development to assistant GM of player development. Ryan Stewart went from vice president of pro scouting to assistant GM of pro scouting. Mike Donahue 
went from USA scout to director of player evaluation and recruitment. Faka went from amateur scout to head USA scout. What does that mean? Be determined. I mean, we don't know. I mean, you could you could put the tinfoil hat on here with all this restructure. What does it mean for Bowman? Still unknown, and still unknown. I think a lot of Bowman's future comes from what happens. If the Hawks go on a run, that might save him. Uh, he could get promoted out of the GM role, and which opens up the GM role. But it, it's still to be determined. It's a lot of mumbo jumbo, and you know it, it, it'll still be figured out on the fly. Yeah, I think that I'm curious to see this shake up in the wake of getting rid of McDonough. And is this Danny Wirtz restructuring in an image that he believes will be best? Or is this the way that I sort of read it? And again, my opinion's worth the paper I put it on. uh, What I'm seeing here is a bunch of different upgrades into specific assistant GM positions. I almost wonder if we are getting a, a structure and a framework in place to take to keep Stan Bowman as the GM, promote a or get a president of hockey operations or president, of, you know, whatever the Blackhawks president is, and with these new assistant GMs, take away some of the other responsibilities from Bowman and unload some of his uh, responsibilities onto a wider team of people, so that. Bowman is still the GM, but his responsibilities are seeming to become limited. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, one of the very strong possibilities is Bowman gets that title as GM. But like you said, Tim, it's really just a title at that point where there's going to be someone over him that's making all these moves and does the moves and basically Stan Bowman does the framework of everything and you know he has to get approval Stan just can't pull the trigger anymore or you know right. just work it out and then Stan just you know, he, he's gonna do all like the it'll be basically doing dirty work yeah and I'm also you brought up a really really good potential point of are we getting a framework in place to create a GM committee almost where then Bowman gets promoted into something who then oversees a GM or do do we see some sort of moving Bowman? We've seen this with, you know, different organizations time and time again. You know, someone still deserves a lot of respect and still has a lot to give to an organization, but we need that shakeup. You know, we we bring up these assistant GMs. We do what we can there and experiment. And if that doesn't work, we move Bowman. Another name that I'm seeing is a name that we should all be familiar with, Barry Smith. The, the longtime Bowman, you know, associate at, who's been in all sorts of different positions within the Blackhawks. He uh, became, he went from a director of player evaluation to a senior advisor of player personnel, which is interesting. You know, he's been, he was an assistant coach at one point with Quinville. He was an assistant coach at one point with Colleton to guide him in. This guy's been a, stabilizing fixture and is definitely he's famous for being a a bowman connection you know scotty bowman connection and whatnot i'm curious to see him moving into a senior advisor role i'm 
there's going to be some serious... I don't think this is the end of the restructuring. Oh, no. I think this is just the beginning, if anything. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, then also, uh, other news, eight members were removed completely from the team's website. Oy. For pro, pro scouts, Derek Booth, Derek Hogwood, Steve Leach, Michael Matadu, Alan Power, Tim Yoggins, and player development coach Derek Plant. Uh, the Rockford Ice Hogs European Strength and Conditioning Coach, Christian Scarpagan. So a lot of mix-up going on with the Hawks, and like Tim and I just said, I don't think this is the end. This is, you know, we can see a lot more because now there's more positions available. It looks like the Hawks, with their promotions, really only one demotion, they're going to bring, be bringing in a lot of new faces. And I think that's going to be up to whoever becomes the new president. Exactly. Close us out with the uh, the Blackhawks talk with our last Hawks specific topic, and we touched on this last episode quite lengthily, if I remember correct. So I'm not gonna sit on it too long. But Chicago officially came out this week and said, you know, they're not planning to change the logo of the team, and they're not planning to change the name of the team. So that was something that was sort of floating around, just whether they were going to do that or not. So that's I think that's good news to hear that management put out like a firm statement. This is our plan moving forward. And then I think that it shows a, that management is in touch with the community around them, which they should be. And B it shows the fact that they don't have this air about them of we do what we want when we want. I think that's, I think that's huge for this organization. And they addressed it. Quickly, too. They they address it. I think it was what five days, maybe a week at most. Mm-hmm. Like they, it wasn't they long. Came, they came out right away, you know, and they they made pledges to uh, include the Native Americans and the Blackhawk tribe into the Hawks culture more, which is promising. That's great. And yes, uh, you know, they went they went around it perfectly. I think. Uh, one small note that I actually really liked is Scott Powers is the one that brought this situation to light and they went through him to release the public statement, which also shows the culture of the Yeah, It's a top notch Mm -hmm. organization, the way they went about this whole thing and how quickly they addressed this. Uh, Round of applause for everybody. And, you know, it's just, they address it as great as anyone could other like a certain Washington sports team. That's still hmm. giving the runaround, but yeah, great job by the Blackhawks to get this out in front and to light and, you know, promoting Native American culture in the Blackhawk tribe. I think the big thing now is to say, okay, they got a statement out. It, it shows that they're willing to listen and willing to have a discussion with the community, like you said, which I'm thrilled with. But now it's a matter of actually following through. And that's what I'm excited to see. The Blackhawks, I don't think this is the end of the discussion. I think that it's still a matter of time before these discussions rise up again, uh, and for good reason, and I completely you know, respect and understand that. They're going to continue to have to walk that fine line of making sure that the image that they're using is not a, a you know, simply a mascot or logo, but an actual, you know, representation, a history, and a memory. And I'm very excited to see what they do with education and raising awareness and being an active part of these communities. 
because that's what the actions speak louder than words. We've seen a thousand different, you know, press releases from different organizations. I, everything that the Blackhawks do as an organization gives me the sense that they will follow through with this. We've, we've seen them stick to their word plenty of times, but I am very excited to follow and watch this and, you know, say, Hey, I'm super proud to be a Blackhawks fan they know what they're doing and the respect that they bring to the table is a top-notch organization. So very excited to see what happens in the future. That's it for everything that I had on the schedule, but uh, I actually have some breaking news right now, which I didn't have at the top of the episode. Oh, here we go. go. Coming in hot. Breaking news. <laughs> this, one's, this one's pretty spicy. Um, the so NHL and the nice. NHLPA just have committed to participate in the 2022 and 2026 Winter Olympics, subject to negotiations. That was part of the Let's CBA go. agreement. Yep, that was part of the CBA extension. That was uh, something that the players, basically the owners gave to the players. I it, de- it needs the IOC to sign off on a couple of things from what I've been seeing, but... This is a big, big deal, and the players are going to be hyped, and everyone who watches hockey or the Olympics should be ecstatic. Oh, yeah, this is, you know, these hockey players take pride in playing for their country more than almost any athlete out there. Uh, it's, they always say how surreal the event and, you know, just going to play and represent the country you're from, and uh, especially the Americans, Canadians, and Russians to go in specifically, just, you know, the, the, like Alex Ovechkin, he was limited. He was very vocal about this whole situation by having to not participate in the Olympics. And, you know, you, you're going to see a lot of very happy hockey players going to re- represent their country and uh, when the Winter Olympics come again. It's definitely a morale boost. Yeah, just I want to talk about that because I forgot that that was in the CBA and I, I thought to myself, well, it's probably worth noting because you know it's kind of notable it's only you know something that happens every four years and has everyone from across the globe all at once i'm so excited at watching olympic hockey i'll never forget the 2010 olympics with america and canada and it oh man there's nothing better than watching the best athletes in the world compete for you know just the pride in their country and representing like the people around i love that for it uh one i don't know if it was in the cba i seen it floated around there was something about draft picks with their salary rising for their entry deals i was that included i didn't get to read through the cba today i know they increased the 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 league minimum salary is increasing next year i have to some I'm, i'm gonna do some homework uh between now and the next episode i love contracts and I love contract negotiation. That's a little <laughs> weird thing about me. Yes. Dork. Yeah, what a, what a nerd. Who brought, the, who brought the HR and employment law guy to the table? Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to do a deep dive as much as I can into the CBA. And I'm sure you guys will be going over stuff well. But that's something that I want to do to make sure that we can pick out any juicy tidbits to talk about for next time. Yeah, so we'll get into that next episode then, right? Yeah, because th- then it'll be out for a little bit, uh, and hopefully there's going to be a little more for me to go through. And with this all being agreed, like there's going to be more reports coming out with the, uh, more specifics in the CBA, and I think yeah, I think it's right to wait. 
Uh, and then uh, one last before, if you wanted to close it out, one last final news in the NHL is our first like actual team transaction. We haven't had one of these in God knows how long. Uh, oh, yeah? The New Jersey Devils have signed head coach Lindy Ruff. There's one name off the coaching board and, you know, the first actual hockey news in God knows how long. I mean, do, uh, need a shakeup at this point. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. The Devils need something. They need to start working on a new identity. They've got a lot of young guys, uh, a lot of potential, but right now that's all it is. Lindy Ruff is familiar with working with, you know, he's worked with, you know, Jamie Benn and Sagan. Like, I'm excited to see what he brings out of these current Devils. I I'm a I'm excited. I want Nico Hischier to really thrive in this league. He reminds me his draft year people compared him a lot to Datsusk, but a lot of his play that I've seen I compare a little bit more to Taze just because he's got a really strong defensive game. I, I like his two way play. Uh I think that I think he could be a superstar in this league, to be entirely honest. I agree. I know it's just uh, I know he's got Jordan uh, David. This before we started the season, he got, he got a big time payday. Well, there's a lot of controversy around that uh, before the season started. I recover that like in one of our season previews. Yeah, we did talk about something with that. I think at this point though, it it's needed in New Jersey. I mean, you look at New Jersey right, and you've got. Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, P.K. Subban. Like, you have some competent players there. They're not stacked by any means, but they're not, you know, this tag group of nobodies. Like, they're legit players who can be superstars there. And maybe the coach shakeup is what they need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're done with the hockey news, you know, this episode was a lot about money. Someone that's not worried about money is Patrick Mahomes, guys. Oh, $503 million. It's a good day to be a Chiefs fan. The real question is, are they going to be able to afford to keep their team together? Because remember, Flacco got paid big bucks after winning a Super Bowl, and the Ravens kind of fell apart for a while until they got Lamar Jackson in. Yeah, it's it. I think the NFL salary cap is going to rise immensely for the next years upon years. And uh, it's also very backloaded, too. So well, it, uh, it won't, the big money won't hit, I think, until like five years from now. And mm-hmm. uh, forgive me for my ignorance, but is do we know if the NHL is a, or the NFL is a hard or soft salary cap league? Because I know the NHL's is hard cap. Um, I think NBA's is soft cap. And I don't know the specifics of how the NFL's uh, salary cap hits. Honestly, the NFL is a hard cap, but there's a lot of restructuring involved. It's like, That's it's very, the thing that throws me off. It's very mm-hmm. easy to restructure a contract, where, whereas the NBA and uh, NHL, I, I, actually, I might be wrong about the NBA, but the NHL, you sign a contract and that's what you're making. That's it's, it. There's yep. no restructure. Yeah, the NFL's a hard cap as well, but the thing is, the NHL's player union is just ridiculously stronger than the NFL's is. I mean, NFL rosters have insane amounts of turnover every season. NHL rosters don't. 
just because of the way that contracts are set up. And like Nick was saying, the amount of work around that you can do to restructure contracts. But ugh, $500 million. He owns like a fourth of the Chiefs now. <laughs> congrats, to, congrats to him, man. Uh, crazy, you know, man. He could have been in Chicago. That's crazy. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> oh, trust me. I hear my mom talk about it all the time. You know, we could have had Mahomes. I'm like, yeah, we, we could have had a lot of things, but we got Trubisky. Yeah, I, uh, that's going to... You know, Mitch is going to get... Though. I can Mitch talk about Mitch will come in and ask for a for a new payday. He's like, you know, Mahomes just got paid. Uh, we didn't even renew your fifth year option. Yeah, I think uh, I could talk about that for like a whole podcast episode. Uh, the way the Bears see it, they, they, and they then Cam Newton going to the Patriots. Yeah, on they, the, Bear, the Bears low salary. Bears cheap organization mind is. They lucked out because now they don't have to pay a really good quarterback for a long time. Oh, no. We're <laughs> Ottawa. We're the Ottawa Senators of football. I think that's what they are at this point. Oh, yeah. this is a bad on, day. You miss out on Deshaun Watson. You miss out on Patrick Mahomes. And you still think Mitch is the real deal. You miss out on Lamar Jackson. I mean. The, the thing that I like the most with the Mahomes deal is that Mahomes reached out to Andy Reid and said, I want stability with this. I want you to be my coach for the next decade. And Andy Reid's just like, let's roll, baby. Let's go. Like, there you go. The kid, like 64. He'll be 74 Kill when me. that's done. And he's still, he's like, I'm doing it. Let's go. <laughs> Fucking eat a cheeseburger on the sideline. You can't stop me. I love that, man. He, he is a beast. You're an animal for sure. All right, guys. So before we start turning this into a football podcast for a minute, I think we'll call this one. Um, if nobody has anything else to uh, add to the podcast tonight, I'll close this out. Um, for all of you guys who are still listening to this podcast right now, we appreciate you all tuning in and listening to the episode. Uh, at the end of the day, this is a podcast that is by fans and for fans. There's no sponsors. There's no deals that we have with people. This is really... A bunch of guys getting around to talk about a sport that we love and the teams that we love. So we appreciate you guys enjoying it with us. Um, if you ever want to get in contact with us, there are a variety of ways that you can do that. So if you want to leave us questions or comments, if you have like show discussion topics or anything like that that you want to give us, there are a couple of ways you guys can do that. You can either find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter at StickbladePod, or you can also find us via the good old email stickbladepodcast at gmail.com and if you want to give us a follow you can follow us on soundcloud uh, soundcloud.com slash stickbladepodcast or you can also find us on itunes so however you want to use social media there's pretty much a way to get in touch with us on any social media platform that you use so feel free to give us a like a share a follow retweet whatever the social media currency is of choice that you like to use we appreciate it because, I mean, at the end of the day, it helps the podcast spread and gets more people, which is the end goal at the end of the day. And we really want to connect with you guys as well. So, like I said, don't hesitate to get in contact with the episode host, which is me, Jordan, or with any of the co-hosts for that matter. I mean, we love to engage with you guys when we get any sort of fan mail. So don't hesitate. Um, but anyway, with that all being said, for your host tonight, Jordan Linscott, and my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stompanato. 
This has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It's good to have hockey coming back soon. And with that being said, let's go Hawks and let's go Wings in the offseason. Hopefully they make some smart moves as well while Chicago's doing smart things.